Everybody, welcome. So excited we get to be together. And uh, I want to say I'm hoping this uh, series, Breaking Bad Habits, is incredibly meaningful to you because we want to see that happen. And we want to have you understand the power of the Word of God to really make real change in your life. And one of the reasons Jesus came was to set the captives free. And so we want to find freedom. Now, what do we do? We go to God's Word to find that. Uh, I don't know if you heard about the Sunday school teacher that uh, was saying to the class, hey, kids, I need you to memorize scripture. And so we want to have you right now memorize Acts 20, verse 35, where it's Jesus's words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And one little boy looked and he said, hey, I already know that. And the teacher said, I'm so glad you already know that. And she goes, how do you know that? And and he said this, that's the motto of my dad's business, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And she said, what business is your dad in? And he said, he's a boxer. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Come on. That's funny. That's funny, I think, you know. Um, I don't know if you heard about the university professor that was teaching a logic and philosophy class. They had combined the two, and uh, the students came in to take their final. And they're all set. They've been studying. They're ready to write. But he shocked them. What he did is he sat them all sit there, and he took a chair, and he put it up on a desk. And he said, all right, for your final, I want you to take everything I taught you and I want you to write proving that this chair doesn't exist. And they're all looking and all of a sudden thinking and he goes, you ready, set, go. And they had one hour to take the final. Uh, One student sat there while everyone else is writing like crazy and he starts thinking and he writes just a little bit, shuts his blue book, walks up and hands it to the professor. And the professor said, are you done? And he said, yeah, I, I think I've got it. And so the professor opened up the blue book and he saw his answer. His answer is, what chair? <laughs> and the professor gave him an A. Yeah, 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 what chair? You know, sometimes in life, you got to know the right answer to the right question. You got to be ready for that. And we're talking about something that really matters to you. We're talking about breaking strongholds that have a strong hold on you. So last week, we started it out by saying there are strongholds in our life, something that has a strong hold on you. By the way, this is really important to remember, they're supernatural. One of the reasons people don't get free is because they try to treat this just like a bad habit or a problem. What they don't realize is there's a supernatural side to it, a spiritual side to it that you need God to come and set you free from. And so we talked about God's plan, God's way to get you free from that which has a strong hold on you. And so how do you do that? How do you get rid of the bad thing that's harming you and hurting you and maybe harming and hurting your family, your friends? your life, your, your potential. Uh, so first, what do you do? We saw last week, you got to destroy or demolish it. Uh, so when God was teaching Gideon how to get rid of a stronghold, he told him the steps we're looking at. And the first step is to destroy or demolish it. And uh, what you need to do then is after you've destroyed or demolished it, you got to build an altar to God. That's what Gideon did. If you saw it last week, he built an altar to God in its place. See, one of the things Jesus warned about is when you go to dis- destroy or demolish, demolish that bad thing, uh, that at first you've got some freedom, but it's going to come back. And it's going to get worse if you don't replace it with something good. So, you know, if your problem is uh, uh, maybe you're taking prescription medication in a, in a way that you're not supposed to, well, you dump the pills. Uh, you get rid of the alcohol if that's what you're doing. Any of those kind of things. But here's the thing. you got to put something in its place. Jesus said you have to do that. And so in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, it says this. Now, Jesus is talking. He said, now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, when that stronghold is demolished and, and the supernatural force that's been keeping you there goes out, it passes through the waterless places seeking rest and does not find it, then... It, the unclean spirit, says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes and it finds it unoccupied, swept and put in order, then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of the man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it is. That is the way it will be with this wicked generation. Now notice what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, okay, you made the right first move, which is to get rid. 
of whatever that the stronghold is to demolish it, to make a break from it. Uh, you're breaking the bad habit. But he said the danger is if you don't replace it with something, you don't get filled with something good, then what happens is you're going to find yourself going back to that, giving up and giving in. And Jesus doesn't want you to do it. So when you break the bad habit, you got to replace it. You got to replace it. Now, before I talk, get into what you replace it with, and, and, and I'm going to get into three things, one this week and two in the next two weeks, I want to say this, that in counseling, we warn people to watch out for the things that will trigger you uh, into diving back into that bad habit or giving in to that bad habit or giving up on the resolve to not, not say no to that. So maybe you're a person with a drinking problem who goes on a binge and uh, you need uh, you need need to know that probably is putting you in a place where you could lose your job and lose so much more. You need to be aware of what it is that caused you to go on that binge. Maybe you're a person who uses narcotics, which is going to cost you your family. What is it that triggers your use of that after you said you don't want to use it anymore? Or maybe you're a person who's trying to lose weight and you've lost the first four pounds, five pounds. What is it that will trigger you to go back to eating and now gain 10 or even 20 in its place. See, that's the thing you got to think about. So before I tell you what you replace it with, I want to warn you about some triggers that could cause you to give up or give in. And, and if you don't replace uh, that bad habit with something good, then this becomes the danger area, the danger zone for you. And uh, in counseling uh, and, and in other support ministries, we talk about four things that could be triggers that would cause you to give up or give in. Uh, and we use an acronym called HALT. In other words, it halts your progress. It halts you in your tracks from getting the victory you need to go forward in a free way. And HALT stands for this. It stands, first of all, for H is hunger. When you're hungry, by the way, you're more likely to do something you shouldn't do or give in to something you shouldn't be giving into. So the other is angry. Um, H-A, angry. I've seen that happen a lot. I see people get mad at maybe their husband, mad at their wife, mad at their kids, mad at their boss, neighbor. And then they just dive into the very thing that hurts them. By the way, some of you, is that you? Can you think about, you know, when I get mad, when I get angry, I, I know I do the wrong thing. I think the wrong thing and then I take action in the wrong way. And, and God's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. So when you get angry, you ought to say, you know what? No matter what, I'm going to be careful not to do that which harms me or hurts me or hurts my family or friends. Uh, by the way, the L is lonely. Uh, when people get lonely, they tend to, to not live their life in the way they should. And, and, and they try to begin to, to fill the void that's there with things that aren't good. And you know what? We're in a time where there's a, an epidemic of loneliness. Cigna Health, I've, I've quoted this before, did a major study and they found that by and large, the vast majority of people are lonely way too often. And Generation Y and Generation Z are the loneliest generations that have ever existed. And you know what? When you're lonely, you can end up doing all the wrong things. And so if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or T is tired, you know what? You're in danger of giving in. And so what happens is maybe you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this habit. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to view those things I shouldn't view. I, I'm not going to take that, 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 those things I shouldn't take. I'm not going to drink more than I, I should drink or drink at all. I, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to... And all of a sudden, you find yourself back there in it. Well, probably, probably, uh, you got hungry or you got angry, you got lonely, you got tired, or one more, you got bored. Uh, you got bored. Uh, sometimes just being bored uh, is, is going to stop you. So here's the thing we're going to talk about. This first altar to God. And the Bible talks about building altars to God. This first altar to God that you put in place of the stronghold you demolished is going to help you in each of those areas. It's going to keep you from being hungry or as hungry. 
Uh, it's going to keep you from being angry, lonely, tired, and for sure bored. Uh, if you have this in place, you won't be angry, you won't be lonely, you won't be tired, and you won't be bored. And so you're going to find yourself less likely to give in. And so over and over in the Bible, uh, God warns us to come to him to get the strength. So before I dive again into this first one, uh, let me tell you what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Now, Paul was in pain. So and, and, and by the way, Paul's being attacked. So he's being criticized. He's under emotional, uh, uh, an emotional drain from people critiquing him, criticizing him, speaking against him, lashing out at him. And then he's in physical pain too. But he doesn't get angry. Uh, he doesn't give in to the, the, the ridicule uh, that's going on. And Paul does this. He prays to God for a release. He prays to God for victory. And look what it says here. It says, and God said to me, he is God and he is God. And God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power. Look at that word power is perfected in weakness. Uh, in other words, if, if you right now have the power of God in your life, it will actually become more profound, more pronounced. Uh, and in the midst of the times you go, I'm just too weak to carry on. So I'm going to go to God for strength. And Paul said most gladly, and that's a key word here too, therefore I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that, and look at that again, the power of Christ may dwell in me. And he goes, therefore I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So you don't, you don't want to act on anger or loneliness or, or tired. You want to find vitality. You want to find uh, uh, support and, and being with people who love and care for you. And, and then what do you want to do? You don't want to allow what other people do or what situations do to dictate your attitude. So we're going to talk about that. But there's one thing more than any other that's going to help you. So what is it that God gives you? You come to God and you say, I need your strength. I need your power. I need your help. What is that? What does God do then? Well, here's what he does. He gives you joy. So there are three things you're going to build as altars to God that will help you overcome and keep you from giving up and giving in. And it's joy, kindness, and love. And joy's got to come first. That might surprise you that it has to come first. Now, why would it have to come first? Because joy is where you get strength. You get the strength and resolve to say no and not give up or give in. Uh, you get the strength to live in the power of God. So when you need God's power, God said, all right, I'm going to give you strength. And the way I'm going to give you strength is I'm going to give you joy. The joy of the Lord, your strength. Uh, there was a time that Nehemiah, uh, uh, who was a, a leader in Israel, Nehemiah and Ezra, who was a priest in Israel, they teamed up together to teach the people God's word and God's law. And, and as they began to teach God's standard, they became very aware of how short they had come, how far away they were from the holiness God wanted for them. And, and they were so convicted about their sin, so, so aware of how they had let God down. And, and they became aware of God and they let him down that they, they became to be, started to be so grieved, they started crying. And it says they could hear the crying and hear the crying and hear the crying of the people. And so what happened is they said, stop, stop, stop. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says this. And Nehemiah continued and said this, go and celebrate. In other words, don't cry, don't weep. I don't want you to do that. God doesn't want you to do that. What does God want you to do? Get ready. Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day. Uh, by the way, uh, the New American Standard said this is a holy day uh, before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for why the joy of the Lord is your strength. By the way, uh, very often when we talk about hey, holiness, a lot of people think, so think that's boring. It's not boring, it's feasting. It's not boring, it's celebrating. By the way, it's not lonely because you do it with other people. All the things we said could be triggers are taken away here. You're not going to be hungry because you're feasting. <laughs> Is that wild or what? Uh, you're not going to be angry uh, because you're in love relationships with people. And, and you're not going to be lonely because, look, you're, you're doing this with others. And, and you're sharing with other people. And, and you're not going to be tired. Why? Because when you're filled with joy, it gets rid of tiredness. It just goes away. 
It just goes away. And God says to you, you know why you're not going to let those triggers take you down? Because God's joy is your strength. And we need to go to God to get joy. So you can't have this joy, though, if he's not your Lord. It's the joy of the Lord, not just joy. It's the joy of the Lord that gives you the strength. And so what you want to do is I'll say to God, I'm coming to you to get joy. But if he's not your Lord, you can't get joy. Does that make sense? If the joy of the Lord is your strength, you need to go to God to get it. So let me give you five things I want to tell you you need to do to see joy actually be in your life, the joy of the Lord, and to see it grow in your life. So number one, you got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're going to have the joy of the Lord, he has to be your Lord. So you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Lord means what? It, it means he's the maximum authority. The one you serve. The one you do take a knee for. Uh, you do that because you committed your life and your heart to him. Uh, and we know, we know he's our Lord when, number one, we've made the commitment to have him as our Lord. And number two, then we begin to live our life this way, doing what Jesus did by saying, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my will be done, but your will be done. You begin to live your life wanting his will, his ways. And so you study the Bible and, and you listen to teaching. And, and when it's what God would want, not man, but God, then what do you do? You do what he wants you to do, even more than what you want to do. Jesus said, if anyone comes after me, if you want to come to me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. For he who would seek to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. What does that mean? He, Jesus said, if you want to come and be with me, then you got to say no to self and yes to me. So I don't live for me. I don't live for others. I live for the Lord. That's what it means to have him as Lord. And by the way, I want to say this to you. Right now, maybe he's not really the Lord of your life. Deep down, you know that. Uh, maybe he used to be the Lord of your life. Maybe at one time you did, but now he's not. Now you decide what you want to do. Either you and, and others or just you alone. And it's all based on self. And I'm not trying to be mean, but deep down you know I'm right. Selfishness. And, and you know what? You're never going to be free from those bad things. You're never going to be free from uh, uh, the things that hurt and harm you. A stronghold, if it's there, you're not going to get away from it. Uh, because you don't have what matters most, the joy of the Lord, because you don't have the Lord. So what I'm going to ask you to do is this. At the end of our time together, I'll lead a prayer where you can, you can say yes to Jesus. You can give your heart to Jesus. Matter of fact, you know what? I'm not going to wait to do that. I'm going to do it right now. There's nothing that matters more than coming to him. Nothing that matters more than saying yes to him. So let me ask you, do you know him? I mean, really know him? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus who loves you, who died on the cross for you so you could be free, so you could get his strength and not have to live in your strength, so you could find freedom from him that you can never get on your own, so you could be forgiven from those bad things, cleansed from guilt and shame? Do you want that? Because he wants it for you so much. He died on the cross for you. While you and I can never truly understand the power of that and the ramifications that come with that, let me tell you that he loves you so much that he did. Who, who else has loved you so much they, they died for you? They gave their life for you. There might be some out there that have actually experienced that with a person. But I want to tell you that every single one of us, Jesus loves you individually that much. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, if you don't know him as your Lord, I mean, really know him, is I want you to open up to him. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, I would come and be with him. And then Jesus said, if you're weary and you're heavy laden, by the way, think about that. Remember one of the, the H-A-L-T is tired. He said, if you're weary, if you're tired and you're weighed down, he said, I'll lift that off you. I'll, I'll, I'll change your life. I'll change you in a good way. But you got to open up your heart to him. You got to pray a prayer where you call out to him and then you got to make it known. See, if he's really your Lord, Jesus said, I want you to let people know you made this decision. It's called, I want it to be confessed before men. I want people to know. So right now, I don't know what you have the text with. It could be a phone. Uh, it could be a computer. It could be a tablet. But I'm going to ask you to do this. Right now, I'm going to lead a prayer 
where you can say yes to Jesus. And if you pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to let us know you did it by texting amen. Amen means the truth. It means for real. Text amen to 69922. Some of you, this is not, we're going to go through the next four things, but none of those will work. None of those will matter if you don't have them as your Lord. So let's start with making them Lord. Let's do it right now. I, as a matter of fact, I, I, for some reason, we can't wait. No matter where you are watching this, we can't wait. You got to pray this prayer and then you got to make it known. So right now, all of you who love God, let's pray for people that need to say yes to him or pray for people that need to come back to him. Some of you, you need that freedom. This is the time to be free, free from anger, free from an addiction, free from hurt, free from pain, free from your past. For somebody, I think free from your present. And, and so I want to ask you, I, I want to pray for you first. All of us, who, if you love God, let's start praying for people to say yes to him. Father, right now, I pray for people that need to open their heart to you and commit their life to you. God, I think there's some people, I, there's something in my heart right now. There's some people that this is their moment. We can't go on a minute longer, a second longer, because they need right now to get this right. And then everything else is going to fall into place. They don't even realize how your strength is there for their weakness. Your healing's there for their pain. And your joy is there for their sadness. And they could be free. They could be alive. They could find purpose. They could be yours. So I pray right now, Lord, I, I pray along with a lot of other people that people are going to pray this prayer and say yes. I'm going to leave that prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to whisper it with me or, or say it out loud. But I want you to somehow say the words. And let's pray this together. And then again, I want you to text after we do to let us know and, and let us interact with you. But let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me. Say, I pray you'll free me from anything that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new, brand new. So I say yes. And if that's the only word you can say, say it. Say, I say yes. I say yes. Say it again. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you pray that prayer, amen. And, and if only word you can say is, Lord, I say yes. I say yes to you and the life you have for me. And, and you know what? I'm so excited for you because you've done the first step and, and he's got to be your Lord. By the way, if you're already a Christian, just say, Lord, I, you are my Lord and, and, and understand that and say, Lord, if there's an area of life, I'm not walking and I should, because you know what? Then God begins to come. Jesus comes near and you find yourself finding his joy because you can't have the joy of the Lord without the Lord. So some of you already knew him as Lord. Others of you just made him Lord. And there might be somebody wrestling out there going, should I go ahead and do it now? If you just say the words, I say yes and text us, then that'll matter. But what happens is when you come to him, he says, I'm going to give you strength. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 says this, he, God gives strength to the weary. You know, you're not going to give in being tired. You're not going to stay tired. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Remember, Paul said, I found out in my weakness that he made, gave me strength and he made me strong. I found that in my life. And then it says, though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young uh, men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength and they will mount up with wings like eagles and they'll run and not get tired. And they'll walk and not become weary. I, I got to tell you, since I met the Lord uh, all these years, God just keeps infusing energy and vitality in my life. And, and you know what? He wants to do that with you and for you. And he does that by giving you his joy. And so all of us right now who know the Lord, we just need to open up to his joy and, and find it moving and working in our life. And by the way, here's the thing. Uh, you're not going to be hungry, angry, lonely, or tired when he's the Lord of your life. So it, you're really not. Because you're going to feast, uh, you're going to not, you're going to love and not be angry. Uh, you're not going to be lonely because you have God, and now God wants you to have a relationship with others. And 
And what is God saying? God said, I'm not going to have you be tired or bored. But I remember bored is one of those things because you have something to live for. So I can tell you this, that when you are walking in the will of God, living in God's will, you're not bored. Why? Because you have a purpose. God has created you with a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose, and he wants you to have that. And so here's the thing too, then God gives you his joy and that joy is good medicine. Uh, In Proverbs 17, verse 22, it says, a joyful heart is good medicine. I I love that. But sadly, a broken spirit dries up the bones. Uh, In the counseling I do, very often I'll have people come in with broken spirits and, and, and they are, they're dried up. They, they're, they're sad. They're, they're not able to move forward. And, and you know, that I, I just love getting with people and helping them find God's joy in a joyful heart and, and seeing the change in them, uh, in their countenance, in their affect, in, in, in their vitality. Uh, and, and sometimes it takes a while to get there. But that joyful heart is good, good medicine. As a matter of fact, research affirms that's true. Listen to this. Marcy Shamoff, who's the author of Happy for No Reason, said this, quote, people who maintain a sense of humor, an indication of inner happiness, outlive those who don't. <laughs> I got to say this. Uh, I, I, I love to joke around and I, I, I love my jokes. I don't know if you love my jokes. Matter of fact, right now in the chat, you could go, Pastor Chuck, your jokes aren't good. Or, or you can say, yeah, keep going. But I love to just find joy and happiness and laughter in everything. Uh, Pam and I do that together. We're a team in doing that. But she said, people who have a sense of humor, who have joy, who have laughter, they outlive those who don't. And she points out, Marcy Shema points out, that uh, this is particularly true in people who have cancer. And she said this, she points out that the survival advantage is particularly large for people with cancer with with one study showing that a sense of humor cut a cancer patient's chance of dying prematurely by 70%. Now, that's not just a little. There's a 70% difference in cancer patients who have joy and laughter and those who don't. 70%. The joy of the Lord is what? Your strength and the joy of the Lord is good medicine. That's what it says. And you know, uh, we've talked before about a a really interesting study uh, that was done by Bruce Alexander. Uh, Bruce Alexander is a psychologist. And what happens, he began to, to, to look at the research that was being done on addiction. Now, to study addiction, one of the ways they studied it is they would get rats addicted usually to morphine, but to some narcotic, some substance, almost always by lacing it in their water. And so there were these studies that had been done prior to Bruce Alexander, where what they did is they put rats in cages and they had water, two two, two water sources. One had the morphine, one didn't. And the rats after a while just kept taking the morphine and, and they would take it and take it and take it till they passed out. Then when they woke up, they'd run and take it again. And they'd usually die very quickly from exhaustion, die from ODing. And so they watched these rats literally die, killing themselves and die. But Bruce Alexander said, you know what? I'm noticing something else that that doesn't make sense to me. We just have these rats in cages, sometimes overcrowded, uh, uh, sometimes alone. Uh, But you know what? Uh, No matter what, there's nothing in the cage. It's a sterile environment. And he began to wonder, does the environment play a bigger part in this than we think? And so what he did is he built what we jokingly call rat park. Uh, He built these rat cages that had incredible toys and and lots of colors. And and, and he made sure they weren't overcrowded, but they did have enough ability to socialize. And he put the rats in the cage and he offered them the the morphine-laced water. He offered them the regular water. And the rats, by and large, only chose the regular water because they wanted to play. And over the course of time, none of them chose the morphine water. And so then he decided to do something else. He laced the morphine water with sugar and the regular water didn't have it. And guess what? The rats still wouldn't go uh, to the sugar-laced water, even though rats love sugar. Their, Their environment was too good. It was too fun. And so the rats were playing, the rats were socializing, uh, the rats were breeding. uh, and, and, And then he took some rats who were addicted to morphine, put them in the cage, and here's the wild thing. 
those rats chose on their own to detox. I mean, it could be painful for them. Laying and shaking and and the body craving the morphine that was right there. But because the environment was so good, because of the joy they had with all the things they could do, they actually on their own broke the cycle and got away from the bad. And here's the thing I'm trying to say to you is that we know through research that, that there really is an ability to break that habit and, and what you need is joy. There's an ability to demolish that stronghold and what you need is joy. And that joy will give you strength. That joy will give you strength. And so when you come to know the Lord and, and the number one step is to make him the Lord of your life, you find that strength. And by the way, if you haven't done it yet, Text amen to 69922 saying, amen, I want the Lord to be my, my, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. So number one, uh, number one is that you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Number two, get rid of negative people. That Rab Park experiment does show us environment plays a huge role. So Jesus is the Lord of your life where you now want to feast you want to rejoice, you want to find laughter, uh, you want to find your purpose, which gives you joy, uh, because he, you're going to live your life for him. But Jesus, believe it or not, wants you to get rid of negative people. You need to understand that joy is a safeguard, the Bible says, and needs to be guarded from those who will rob it. Think about that. Joy is a safeguard, means it's a safe guarding you and it's a safeguard it's a safe way of guarding yourself from giving up giving in but there are people who want to steal your joy and you got to get rid of those people uh so in philippians chapter 3 verse 1 it says finally my brethren Rejoice in the Lord, where you get strength. He's your Lord, you rejoice in him, you get the joy of the Lord and now you have strength. You have good medicine, but to write the same thing again is no trouble to me. And it is a safeguard for you. So when you have God's joy, it's a safeguard, but you got to guard the joy. And then it says this, watch this. Beware of the dogs. Back then, they didn't see dogs as pets. Back then, they saw dogs as pests. They weren't pets, they were pests. Uh, 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 the Jewish people in particular did not see them as a good thing. They saw them as scavengers. They saw them as bad. And he says, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. He names three groups there. I'm going to go back and talk about the dogs, the evil workers, and the false circumcision. Uh, but notice what he goes on to say next. He says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So he said this, I want you to beware of the negative people. I want you to beware of them. So the first group he said are the dogs. You got any dogs in your life? People who are nipping at you? Do you have anybody who's biting you? Who's growling at you? Who uh, the minute you try to get ahead, they, they are ready to take you down? And Bible says, get them out of your life. Beware and be aware of who's doing that to you. Right now, there may be some people who, you know what, it, I know you want to love them, but you might need to do it from a distance because they're going to take you down. They're going to rob your joy. They're going to hurt you. Uh, by the way, uh, when I was a next-gen pastor uh, uh, reaching college and high school and junior high students for the Lord, Pam and I were a team in that ministry. And, and we went to a church, and in this church, right away, we met this girl. And I could just see she was sad. I could see she was bummed out. And so we took her out to have, you know, just to get a, you know, grab a Coke and sit and talk. And, and it was her boyfriend. Her boyfriend would tell her she was ugly. Her boyfriend would tell her she was eating too much and going to get fat. Uh, her boyfriend uh, uh, would mock her. Like when she went to say something, he would mock her opinion. And, and Pam and I, we didn't even know her all that well. We said, we well, got to get rid of that guy. Uh, to quote Paul, he's a dog. I didn't say that to her, but that's what he was, by the way. Uh, uh, and, and he was, he was biting at her, growling at her, tearing into her. I said, you got to get this guy out of your life. 
And, and so what did she do? You ready? She went and, and to break up with them. And then he started saying, I, I, if I lose you, I might even kill myself. And so she said, I can't break up with him because he's threatening to kill himself. And, and I said, well, I want to protect him, but I'm more than right now. I want to protect you. If he's doing that to manipulate you more than ever, get away. Get away. By the way, I got a call from her mom and dad saying, thank you, thank you, thank you to get this guy out of her life. And you know what? The change was almost instantaneous. I mean, she began to smile. She began to laugh. She started to look beautiful. She already was pretty, but now it was like this incredible glow of beauty. Uh, you know, she, she began to, to get better friends. And, and then it wasn't all that long, maybe a couple of years later, she met this incredible guy who cherished her, loved her, uh, valued her, lifted her up, set her free to go do the things she was motivated to do. And all these years later, she's married and has kids. And man, she's living the the good life. The other guy would have ruined her. Some of you right now have people in your life that may be the dogs. And uh, you know that because they want to take you down. They want to bite at you. They want to backstab you. They want to tell you where you're not good enough. By the way, God says you're, you're someone he's going to incredibly gift to do great things. And you have value. And he wants you around people who see the value in you and see the good in you and see your potential. You need that. You need that. So get away from the dogs. The second group to get away from is the evil workers. Uh, That's people who love doing things that are not godly. Uh, And so there are people who make it a sport. There are people who see that as their form of entertainment. There are people who put effort into immoral things. And you got to get away from them. One of the heartbreaks of my life was uh, a couple that I was close to. And uh, the wife uh, started going out to clubs uh, to, to dance uh, with her friends. Her husband didn't like going to clubs at all, and he definitely didn't like going dancing. Plus, it was all these single women anyway that she worked with. And so she started going to the club. But they weren't going there just to dance. And deep down, she knew that. They were going there to drink and very often overdrink, get, you know, wasted, get buzzed and to meet guys and not just to meet guys, um, to be sexually active with them. But she was just going to go dancing. She was just going to have fun. The Bible says, get away from evil workers. And it wasn't long till she was drinking way too much and got involved with the men and, and, broke her husband's heart and all of our hearts because we loved her and cared about her, wrecked her family. Um, and while, while God's a God who redeems and God's a God who can restore and heal, she's not found that still. But she's miserable. Uh, last time I saw her, I could see it. Uh, obviously, she was embarrassed to see me Uh, We were in a gathering. She couldn't get away. But um, I I don't get any joy out of that. She definitely doesn't have joy. And uh, she let the evil workers rob her joy. And a lot of people paid the price for that. So you know what God says? Don't do that. Get rid of things like that in your life. Get rid of the dogs. Get rid of the people who are involved in things. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's what the Bible says. And you got to get away from them. And then the next group is called the false circumcision. Now, you may not understand what that means, but uh, uh, the idea of circumcision was the idea of going through a rite that says you belong to God if you were a man. And, and so it was usually done on a boy or a son when he was eight days old. But if someone converted to Judaism, they also, if they were a male, they would become circumcised. And the idea was this is a religious ritual that somehow uh, uh, people thought that made you right with God. And if you didn't have it, you couldn't be right with God. And Paul began to say that God showed him it wasn't a physical act. It's supposed to be a spiritual act uh, that you do where your heart is dedicated to God or set apart to God. Now, I know that's giving you a lot of information, but let me tell you what Paul's warning about here. He's warning about religious people who use religion to put people in bondage. Uh, They're the ones who have all the lists of do's and don'ts. There are some things the Bible says you don't do. That's for sure. Why? Because it'll hurt you or harm you. 
But, but here's what I want you to know. What makes you acceptable to God? What makes you uh, uh, in a love relationship with God isn't based on what you do or don't do. It's what Jesus did. That's called the gospel. And so Jesus died on the cross for you. And Jesus gave you uh, the cleansing you need. And, and he gave you the freedom you should have. And so what we do is we do or don't do what we do in our life. We, in other words, do things or don't do things based on what Jesus did. And we don't do it to earn his love. We do it because we have his love. But there's a lot more freedom than people realize. And so what happens is there become man-made rules that supposedly make you acceptable to God. But none of those have any value. In Colossians chapter 2, he said, warns this. He says, don't listen to people who say, do not eat, do not touch, do not eat, do not drink. Uh, because none of those things actually have any power to make you holy. So what, what we need to understand is there's people out there who bring their religion to put you in bondage. Now, I've watched that happen over and over. And their goal is to target typically Christians. They're after Christians who are living in joy and they come and want to rob their joy by putting them in bondage to man-made rules. And, And so what I want you to do is stay away from people like that. You could spot them because two things become obvious. One, they don't have joy. And two, they're not loving. And when you see no joy, no love as the outcome of what they're doing, that can't be from God. Remember, we started off with Nehemiah 8.10. This is the joy of the Lord, your strength. And he said, so I want you to feast. I want you to drink. I want you to give gifts to people. He said, I want you to celebrate. If you find somebody whose religion doesn't celebrate, doesn't laugh, doesn't have fun, That's not from God. So Paul says, stay away from them. Stay away from them. Uh, By the way, Dr. Earl Hensley uh, wrote a book called This Is Your Brain on Joy. And he said, surround yourself with positive people who believe in and champion your dreams. And that's vital to bouncing back from sorrow or stress. And it gives you joy. And for some people, he says, you have to escape dysfunctional family and recreate a sense of family among good friends. Uh, He says, being in a loving marriage, bonding with a baby, even stroking or petting a pet can reduce anxiety and raise happiness hormones in your your brain. His point is this, surround yourself with people that are loving and caring and life-giving, not who are joy robbers. And so you and I need to do that. And by the way, let me tell you this. The Bible's really clear about it, and so we talk about it all the time. You want to have a relationship with Jesus where you're in love with him, and you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then Jesus said, I want you to love others too, especially people in the church. And so we always say this, and we want you to get as close to God as you can and keep getting closer bonding, knowing him better, growing stronger in your faith and your relationship with him, then also equal, you need to have relationship with other Christians. And right now, if you're not in a group, a group that will support you, a group that will love you, a group that's good for you, we will help you get into a group. So what we want you to do is we want you to text group to 69922. Text group to 69922. By the way, one group some of you might want to get in is set free. Set free is a place of, of fellowship and community. And, and you go there and you can be honest. But what you'll find right away is people who are lifting you up and not tearing you down. People who are cheering you on and not ridiculing you. People who are going to tell you they've been through it and they're honest about it. You can be honest and you know what? You're going to get loved and helped. So set free is a group to get into or just a life group, which is great to get into, but text group to 69922 and we'll get you there. So number one is make Jesus Lord of your life. Number two, get rid of negative people. Number three, shout joyfully to the Lord. I, I, this, these next three are going to go fast. So get ready. They, they come from Psalm 100. And Psalm 100 says this, shout joyfully to the Lord of all the earth. So here's the thing. God says, I want you to have joy. I want you to build joy in place of what, what, is taking your, uh, uh, what, what has been hurting you, that stronghold. And he said, you know what? When Jesus is the Lord of your life, you find strength from there because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you get rid of the negative people, you're going to have an environment of joy. And then he said, I want you to do three things to even increase your joy. The first is this, shout joyfully to the Lord. By the way, physiologically, we know it's true that if you know, even if you're sad, if you would stand up and start shouting with joy, 
praise God. I love you, Lord. God, thank you for your blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. God is good all the time. And what? All the time, God is good. God is good all the time and all the time, God. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Actually, your body begins to respond. So just like being around people who are good for you, uh, Dr. Hensley said, releases these hormones that are really good. When you shout joyfully to the Lord, neurochemicals begin to be released. They that fuel the joy in your brain and in your body, in your life. And so the Bible says, I want you to shout joyfully to the Lord. So let me give you a call. I want you, let's all agree to do this. Every day, somewhere, I want you to shout joyfully to the Lord. I'm going to go out in my front yard and I'm going to shout joyfully to the Lord. When I'm in my Jeep, I'm going to shout joyfully to the Lord. Uh, uh, and I want you to actually shout. By the way, it doesn't say whisper. It says shout joyfully to the Lord. Uh, number four, number four is serve the Lord with gladness. This also comes from Psalm 100. Uh, and so you want to shout joyfully to the Lord. You want to serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. So let's start right there. We'll get to this one next. So you, you're going to find that when you serve God, that means you take your spiritual gift that God has given you. You discover what it is. And if you don't know how to discover that again, just text group. Uh, to 69922, and we will help you. We'll help you find your spiritual gift. And even in this crisis, this COVID crisis, we'll help you find ways to use it. Uh, there are ways to serve God right now. And whenever you do it, it will, it will actually give you, you do it with gladness and that will give you joy. So I serve the Lord with gladness. When I come to do this with you, I have gladness because I want to help you. I want to encourage you. I want you to know freedom. I want you to know love. You know what? God could not be for, more for you than he is. If God is for you, then nothing can really be against you. But I'm for you too. And all our Crossroads family, no matter where you are in the world, the country, the state, man, I'm for you. And I want the best for you. Whenever I get around someone, I'm, there's something inside me that says, hey, I, I want to know what your purpose is and I want to help you fulfill it. And uh, very few things give me more joy than to help people discover their purpose and help them fulfill it. And their gladness that comes with that. Remember, one of the triggers that can take you down uh, is when you are um, tired or when you're bored. So hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or bored. Uh, here's the thing I want to think about is when you serve God, you are not going to be lonely because you end up always doing that with others. Uh, you're not going to be tired because there's something that gives vitality when you're using your spiritual gift. And you're not going to be bored because you're doing your purpose. And so, you know what? Those triggers go away and you're not going to give in. So building that altar to God of joy, a big part of that is serving him with gladness. Now let's go to the last thing. So here's the five. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Get rid of negative people. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. And number five, sing to him with joyful singing. That's back in Psalm 100 again. In Psalm 100 verse three, it says this. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Uh, you know what? When the governor of California says you can't sing, God says sing. By the way, all crossroads, uh, I got to tell you this, is that we are going to worship the Lord our God and no man, no government will ever silence us. I love Jesus too much. I love God's word too much. God inhabits the praise of his people, not the silence of his people. Not, that's not what it says, the praise of his people. And so when the governor started saying, now I know the governor has a hard job. I know he's wanting to do the right thing. This is wrong. You cannot be silenced. You need to sing more, not less. You know what? When you sing more, it gives you vitality. It gives you joy. It, it causes God to come close and inhabiting the praise. And so guess what? We are a people who will praise our God, whether, no matter what man says, our government says, or anybody says. By the way, can I get some amens in the chat? Can I get some amens there? Some praise God, some, some we are going to sing out. No man will silence us. No one will silence us. One time Jesus was coming and the people were praising God and, and, and the, the enemies of Jesus yelled out, tell the people to be quiet. And Jesus said, if they're quiet, the rocks will cry out. Uh, there's an incredible uh, hymn, a gospel hymn that says, ain't no rock. 
gonna, gonna cry in my place. Ain't no rock gonna sing in my place. Hey, the rocks aren't gonna get to praise Jesus at Crossroads. Why? Because we're gonna praise Jesus. We are not gonna be silent. There's something happens when you do it. Right now, let me tell you this. Uh, uh, as someone who does counseling and, as, and, and my friends who do counseling, very often we'll encourage people to get rid of all the negative in their life and fill their mind and heart with praise music. Uh, and, and I tell people to do this because it works. Uh, matter of fact, some of you, we should shout to God every day. You need to serve God. But let me give you the next one. What if you this week don't watch the news? What if you this week, it don't, it, if you see something in social media that's even a little negative, don't look at it. Maybe no social media. And instead, you turn on worship music. Instead, you turn on praise music. Instead, you decide, I am just going to lift up God right now. What if you did that for a week? I want to tell you, I bet your attitude would be better. I bet your strength would be better. I bet your resolve would be better. I bet that's what would be happening in your life. And so here's the thing I want you to know is that you and I need to Shout joyfully to the Lord every day. You need to find out how you can serve God. And number three, you need to sing joyfully to the Lord. Sing joyfully to the Lord. And, uh, and, and there's lots of ways we can get you in touch with uh, really awesome praise music. Matter of fact, if you go on our um, uh, YouTube site right now, there's a, uh, Laura put out an awesome song with her and Fred. Uh, you can go and listen to that. And uh, you know what? You're going to find this opportunity to see what happens. The Bible says, God inhabits the praise. So praise God. Praise God. By the way, God wants you to be filled with joy. God wants you to have his strength. God wants to be strong for you in times of weakness. So what are those five things that we do to build an altar to joy to God? You have to make Jesus Lord of your life. Uh, uh, a bunch of you have already texted an amen. Praise God for that. If you have not prayed and said yes to Jesus right now, just say these words. I say yes. Say, Jesus, I say yes. Lord, I say yes. And then text amen to 69922. So make him the Lord of your life. Two, get rid of negative people. Three, shout joyfully to the Lord. Four, serve him with gladness. And five, defy the state of California. <laughs> okay, I, I, that's not what I wrote. Sing to him with joyful singing. Sing to him with joyful singing. Let's do that together and let's find joy to be our strength. God could not be more for you. God couldn't love you more than he does. And I'm praying this week that God's blessings on you. But by the way, when you get blessed, you're blessed to be a blessing. I'm praying this week, God's joy's in you. God's words of praise are on your mouth and his praise is, is pouring into your life and you will celebrate and feast and, and rejoice in him and laugh. Let this be a great week for you. And we want that for you so much. So as we close right now, just know this. In any way we can, we want you to know God's love, God's joy, and God's peace. God bless you guys.